this is probably going to surprise you, but early on in my ministry, there were a few times when my mouth would get me in trouble. Um, I know, it's hard to believe because I've matured and I've changed. Thanks for coughing, Tom. Um, and it's still occasionally my mouth gets me in trouble. I say things I probably shouldn't say. And I was thinking about this church that I was trying out at. It was the very first interview I'd ever done for a full-time church. And they had invited me in and they gave me the tour. You know, I got to go in and they, they walked me through the church, showed me all the facilities. And then we went down to the Sunday school room down in the basement and the teacher was, was getting ready to teach. And so I'm there trying to make a good impression, trying to make them all like me. You know, maybe hopefully they'll, they'll hire me because I really needed a job. And uh, the Sunday school teacher got started and, and he started in Romans chapter 1. And if you flip back just one page there in your in your pew Bible, he started off in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and he read, For the wrath of God, that's good stuff to start with, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And that's where we started back there in Romans chapter 1. And, and then he went on and he read down a little bit further and he got to verse 24. Look at verse 24. He said, Therefore, God gave them up in their lusts, in the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And then he goes on, For this reason... God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. That's fun stuff to start a sermon off with, isn't it? And I sat there and across the Across the uh, table from me was this very old elder, really old elder. And, uh, and he sat there, and all of a sudden he just spoke up, and he says, well, that's exactly what's wrong with this country, right there. And he launched into this tirade on those people. You know what I mean when I say those people, right? Those people are what was wrong with America, and those people was what was wrong with society, and, and why things were falling apart, and the fault was those people. I should have shut up. I should have bit my tongue, but instead I said, yeah, but look on down, because the text does not stop in verse 27 with those people. The text continues on in verse 28, and it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. To do what ought not be done. Well, what ought not be done? They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. I'm going to stop right there with gossips. Because that's as far as I had to go that Sunday. And I just tell you, I mean, if you get bored, there's a whole bunch of other sins in there that you shouldn't do. And it's a whole big list that continues on. We'll get back to it later. But I stopped with gossips. And I said, look, he, he throws us all in there. 
We've all done this. He's not just talking about those people. He's talking about all of us. Well, they hired me somehow. And over the next four years, I learned who the gossips were. And they pretty much were that man and his wife. They were the big ones there. The lady who was sitting next to me that Sunday told me a couple years later, she said, man, I loved what you said that Sunday, but I knew you were not going to get hired in this church. I kind of wish she had been right now. You know, Romans chapter 1 is a very important passage of Scripture. It's important that we understand it. it. It lays out what has happened to fallen humanity. But if we try to use Romans chapter 1 to beat someone up because we don't like their sin, we're missing the point. Because by the end of the chapter, Paul has thrown us all under the bus. And he says there is no one righteous. None of us are are righteous in, in the eyes of God. None of us are sinless. And if none of us are sinless, then what's God going to do with us? How should God treat us if if none of us are sinless? Well, it seems seems to me like God's options are he he could wipe us all out, just clear the house right there and then and there, wipe us all out, consider humanity to be some kind of failed experiment. He could ignore our sin. He could say, you know, that's okay. I know you tried. It'll be okay. We'll We'll just ignore it this time. It doesn't really matter whether we keep the law or not. Or God could do something else. And the something else that God has decided to do is spelled out in Romans chapter 2. Specifically in verse 4, where Paul tells us that it is God's kindness. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You guys don't have the problem where your mouth ever gets you in trouble, right? It doesn't happen to any. No? You guys are all good. Very good. Okay, that's, that's important. It happens to all of us. It happens to us in, in different ways. Where we really need to get to is a place where we understand that God has been kind to us. And that kindness comes with a purpose. The purpose of God's kindness is to lead us to repentance. And if he's kind to us, even though we're sinners, even though we're on that list back in chapter 1 then he's also being kind to others for the same purpose, to lead them to repentance. And so the question is, how do we respond to God's kindness? How do we make his kindness known to the people around us? Here in chapter 2, Paul lays out the options for us of how to respond to God's kindness. And he shoots them down. He shoots them down pretty quickly. He shows us that we cannot respond to God's kindness with judgment. Go ahead and let's go ahead and look back. I mean, you know, it's Sunday morning. Let's talk about sin a little bit. Let's go back to chapter 1 one more time. Pick up there in, in verse 28 again. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. You understand that part? To do what you ought not do. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Just hang on that one for just a minute. Anyway, they are foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree 
to those who practice such things that they deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. It's a horrible list. It's absolutely awful. And what really gets me is is verse 32, because you can sit back and you can say, well, I don't do any of those things. I'm a good person. I'm even obedient to my parents. I'm a very good person. But then you get to verse 32. It's not only that they do these things, but in verse 32, they give approval to those who do them. Every one of those sins that he's listed, you're going to find on your TV set, aren't you? And you're going to find in the movies. You're going to find in the books. Don't make me quote the titles of books that you've read, that I know you've read, that have those things in them. And the fact is, every one of us, if someone came into our homes and said the things that the Kardashians say, (laughs) or did the things in those books that we read for fun, if someone came in our homes and did those things, we would kick them out. And yet we welcome them because they're on that big screen up on the wall. We welcome them to come in and do it. We all do it. I do it. We all do that. We give approval. Our entertainment, our movies, our books, our TVs all reflect those things. We let them in our homes. And yet if the people, and yet people we know who are like that, people we know who do those things, we'll gossip about them. We'll say malicious things about them. We'll, we'll get our names back on that list in chapter 1 in our reactions to them. God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. When we respond to God's kindness with judgment about other people, then we make it an us versus them issue. We make it an us versus them issue. And God's kindness does not work us versus them. Because if God's kindness was us versus them, we would never be an us. We would never be on this side of God's kindness. We would never get in. That's why in the next chapter, Paul reminds us in in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why he starts out chapter 2 with the verse verse 1, which says, therefore, because because you're on this list, therefore, you have no excuse. You have no excuse, O man, Every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourselves because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And for some of us, practice makes perfect. We've gotten good at sin. I want you to notice he's not letting anybody off the hook here, is he? Not a single one of us that are off the hook. He's not saying you can do what you want. You can do whatever you choose. You call it a lifestyle choice and it'll be okay. He's saying, remember that list in chapter 1? Yeah, your name's on that list. You've done those things too. Therefore, if you're going to judge other people on that list, you're really judging yourself. And so we cannot respond to God's kindness with judgment. It comes back to his kindness. He's shown his kindness to you. And me, he's shown it to everyone. We're all in the same boat. We cannot respond to God's kindness with judgment on others. And what we also understand is we should not respond to God's kindness with presumption. Make the slide jump. 
There we go. We should not respond to God's kindness with presumption. So Paul presents us with a couple of different options. Both of them are wrong options in response to God's kindness. If you read on in chapter 2, jump down to verse 3. He says, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, do you suppose that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So there's a couple of wrong options here. And the first is the supposition that by judging others, if we get busy and judge others, because we've seen the truth, we've, we've seen the error of our ways and we've seen the truth. So by judging others, we escape judgment. And he says, no, that doesn't work. But the second one is the presumption. The presumption that because God has been kind to us, and, and we've responded to God's kindness, then we get no judgment at all. Because God is love, right? I read that in the Bible. God is love. I've also read in the Bible that God is kind, right here in chapter 2. It says God is kind. That's what the Bible says. So how on earth can a kind and loving God judge anybody? Right? How could God, who's so kind and so loving, just like a nice old grandpa, how could he judge anybody? How could he punish us for our sins? That's a pretty commonly held belief, believe it or not. People believe that. How could God do that? How could God punish us for our sins? So people think, you know, I've done wrong. Yeah, I've done wrong, but, but the good I've done outweighs the bad I've done. And so on the cosmic scale that God uses to weigh out good and bad, I'm far and ahead with the good and and the bad just doesn't amount to anything, and God's going to overlook all the bad stuff. It doesn't work that way. That's just not possible. Because for God to be God, he has to be righteous. He has to be righteous. And therefore, his judgments have to be righteous judgments. That means if you break the law, the law that he, as the lawgiver, has established, if you do the things back there in chapter 1, you're going to pay for those things. And the price is pretty stiff. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, tells us that the wages of sin is death. You will pay. People don't want to hear that. Maybe you don't want to hear that today. People don't want to hear that. We live in a very permissive society and where people say, you know, we take that very libertarian stand and we say, as long as you're doing whatever you want to do, as long as you don't hurt anybody else, it really doesn't matter. Don't hurt anybody else. Don't impose on anyone else's freedoms. Do whatever you want to do, and it is fine. But if there is a God, and if that God is the lawgiver and the judge, then he will judge. Now, too often, our presumption tells us that, well, he hasn't judged me yet, you know? I walk into this building, and the roof didn't fall in, so therefore, I must be okay. No, you've simply been a recipient of his kindness. Do not presume that you will escape his judgment. Last Saturday, I was hiking Red Rocks Canyon. I want to go back. I don't care if I ever see Vegas again, but I want to go back to Red Rocks Canyon. Absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful place. 
I was walking with a friend of mine, and this friend of mine and I, we, we got to talk, and occasionally we discussed some very deep things. And so he's an interesting guy. He's been through an awful lot, done a lot of amazing things. And, and as we're walking along, we're discussing God, and we're talking about sacrifice, and we're walking by a rock. And, and I said, look, there's a rock over there. If we get a goat, we can sacrifice it, and we'll all be okay. You know, just kind of joking around. And, and, uh, and this friend of mine finally told me his philosophy. He said, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. I don't worry about judgment. Now, I am quoting him here. He said, I don't worry about that. Do you know why? And I said, why? And he said, because I, because I do not consider anything that I do to be a sin. That's his philosophy. I don't consider anything that I do to be a sin. Now, I've told you about the times when my mouth got me in trouble. I was dumbstruck. I mean, I didn't know what to say. I stood there, and finally I just said, huh. And I said, well, um, let me know how that works out for you. Because I have a book. You may have a philosophy that nothing that you do is a sin, I've got a book, and it's a big book, and I didn't write it. It's not my philosophy. It's there, and, and i got to be honest with you. A lot of the stuff that I do is in this book, and it says that it's sin. It also says there's this one guy that helps, but, you know, I don't want to jump ahead yet. But i got this book here, and, and I'm going to go with this book rather than my idea that, that nothing that I do is actually a sin. Now, I know, I know that doesn't make us feel good to say that what we do is wrong. That doesn't make anyone feel good. And I know it doesn't help my self-esteem to say that I have sinned. And, and I know it doesn't make me sound like I'm accepting of even my own lifestyle, let alone anyone else. But when I read the book, that's where I have to go, that I am a sinner. That, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and, and that the wages of sin is death. That's where I have to go. And when I view others and myself in the light of this book and in the light of God's kindness, I realize that we can only respond to God's kindness with kindness. Paul says... God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. God's kindness is not there so that we can sit in judgment on other people, so we can tell them what they've done wrong, because they are also recipients of God's kindness. God's kindness is not there because, well, God's just a sweet old guy, and he couldn't punish us anyway, and, and he's really not going to hold it. You know, he's going to slap you on the back of the hand, and you'll be okay. You know? it, it's not like that either. It is there to give us time to say yes what I have done is sin. It is wrong. I have fallen short of the glory of God. And to give us time to change our ways, to repent, which literally means to turn around and start going the other direction. That's all well and good for us here because we understand that now, right? Nod with me if you've understood that. Yes, God's kindness is there to lead us to repentance. But what about those who don't understand that? And I'd have to ask to them, 
what does the kindness of God look like? How will they know that God is kind? And I have to tell you that I think they will know that God is kind when they see kindness in us and in the way that we treat them. Kindness is something that you have to show. A couple years ago, I did a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, remember? And the point that I made there was that kindness is something that you have to do. You have to do something kind. I can't just sit here and have kind thoughts about you because it won't make a difference in your life. If I just sit and have kind thoughts, I mean, it might be nice and warm and kind of sweet, but kind thoughts don't do anything for anyone. If, we're, if they're going to learn of the kindness of God, they're going to have to see it in the way that we treat them. And that's a problem. Because some of you, some of us, we're ready to send people to hell right now. Don't tell me you're not. I've heard you talk about it. I've said it too. We're ready to send people to hell right now. You see their lifestyles. You see the things they do. You hear the things they say. You, you, you see what's going on in their lives. And you've just, you don't agree with it. And you've given up. And literally, if you haven't, said the words, you've thought the words, to hell with them, right? Don't lie, because that's on the list. And you need to understand, we all need to understand, when we get to that point with somebody where we're ready to give up and send them to hell, you need to understand God is not ready. God is not to that point. If you jump ahead to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter says, he's talking about the Lord's return. He's talking about why is, here it is, first century, first century, 21st century people. Way back in the first century, people were saying to Peter, where's this Jesus guy? You've been telling us he's coming back. He hadn't shown up yet. Where is he? Why isn't he here yet? And Peter says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. How many people does God want to see in hell? He's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the question for us is, how do we properly display God's kindness in a world that has turned against his righteousness, his holiness? In verse 4 of Romans chapter 2. In verse 4, Paul defines kindness. And he defines kindness as a combination of forbearance and patience. Now, forbearance, that's a big word. You probably haven't used that word today yet. What does forbearance mean? You look at that word and you're like, I don't know, let's see, forbears? and ants, right? Is that what you're thinking? Like, that's, that's as good as I can get in my brain. Forbear ants. No, it's not that. You're not going to like this. You're really not going to like this. If you can leave now, I will. Forbearance, which defines God's kindness, it literally means tolerance. How many of you are sick and tired of the word tolerance? Come on, you're sick of people telling you that you've got to be tolerant of others. 
They're, you're sick of people telling you that, that that's what you've got to be. You've got to be tolerant. You're sick of hearing the word. You've got to admit it. You're sick of tolerance. And the problem is you have let society define tolerance for you rather than God. Now, to Paul, tolerance meant self-restraint. That's what the word tolerance meant to Paul, self-restraint. That's what God is showing us. That's what we are supposed to show others, self-restraint. In the classic Greek idea, the word forbearance, the word tolerance, was used of a temporary truce in war. It didn't mean that we're done fighting. It didn't mean we got peace. It didn't mean that, you know, things aren't going to pick up again later. It meant we're having a temporary truce. I was reading about that. I couldn't help but think of some lessons I learned in history class. Do you remember the story of the Christmas truce of 1914 when soldiers on both sides of World War I suddenly laid down their arms and they walked out into no man's land? And soldiers on both sides exchanged gifts. They, They sang songs together. They played football together or soccer together. They even buried their dead together. They did that on December 24th, on, New, on Christmas Eve. And then all day Christmas, they just played together, enjoyed each other, had this temporary truce. No one told them they had to do that. There was no official truce. They just knew it's Christmas. What else are you going to do? They laid down their arms, and they had this temporary truce. And on December 26th, they went right back to war again. No one told them they had to. They just did it. Now let's, let's put this in terms of how you and I are to show tolerance to the world. Tolerance is not a matter of saying, it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's going to be fine. It doesn't matter what you do. It's about finding a better way, a way that's better than judgment, a way that's better than simply ignoring the sin, a better example, which comes from God. This word tolerance, forbearance, is only used twice in Bible. Both times it's used in Romans. And the other time, in Romans chapter 3, Paul uses it to refer to Jesus. He talks about Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation, that is a a sacrifice, an appeasement to God, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, his tolerance of you, he had passed over former sins. That's tolerance. It is a temporary truce. He ties the word tolerance to the word patience. Do I need to define patience? You've heard that one. You're at least familiar with that word. What does tolerance mean when you tie it to patience? It means this. How long am I going to have to be tolerant of this person? As long as it takes. That's how long you're going to have to be tolerant. As long as it takes for them to have every chance to repent. And it means that as long as God is giving them a chance, you need to give them a chance. It also means that Sometimes you have those conversations where you stop and say, I love you, I care about you deeply, but you need to understand what you're doing is wrong. And I am not just concerned about your life, I am concerned about your eternity. I am concerned about your soul, and I would like to talk to you 
about that. It doesn't mean we sugarcoat. It doesn't mean we turn the other way. It doesn't mean we ever give up. It means that we show them the kindness of God. We have different opportunities to do that. Here in a few weeks, we're getting more and more boxes back. And here in a few weeks, we're going to be showing a bunch of kids that we've never met the kindness of God by sending them these gifts. Thursday night, we have the opportunity to show kindness to our neighbors and our friends by giving them a cup of hot chocolate, maybe a cookie, and giving them a minute to sit down and rest while they're out taking their kids trick-or-treating and to show those kids kindness by loving on them and and tell them how great their costumes are, even when they scare us just a little bit. We have opportunities to show kindness. Fame is coming next week to tell us about the kindness that we have been showing people that we'll never meet this side of heaven because we've been supporting them. When we support people like Brenda going over to Africa and Ed going over, it is showing kindness to people. And when we're loving somebody right next to us, someone that we've known our entire lives, and we simply sit down and say, I love you. Don't agree with what you're doing. I am not going to stop loving you. I am not going to stop praying for you. That's kindness. God showed that kindness throughout to us through sacrificing his son on the cross. And you shouldn't be surprised if showing someone the kindness of God hurts a little bit, if it causes you to sacrifice yourself. I think it comes down to two questions for us. Do you understand the truth of this scripture about God's kindness? For you, do you understand the truth of this scripture that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance? And the other question we ought to ask is, would others understand that through the way we treat them, through the way we are kind to them? And, you know, it occurs to me, maybe, maybe you've never really understood the kindness of God. Maybe you've never understood it in, in, in any way at all. Maybe you've never felt the kindness of God. Maybe all you've ever felt is harshness. Maybe all you've ever felt is, is failure and, and threats. Maybe all you've ever known is a God who says, be good, or I'm going to send you to hell. I've got to tell you, that's not the God I read about in this book. That's not the God I see, and that's not the God that I want you to know here. And maybe today's the day when you realize you're not surrendering to threats of hell. You're not surrendering to punishment. You're surrendering to the kindness of a God who loves you, a God who cares for you, a God who gave his son so that you could know him. And maybe someone here that's never experienced that because, well, they've never seen that in you or me. And maybe it's time for us to be a little kinder to each other. It's not going to do much good if we're not kind to one another in the way that we love each other. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. It's a new song. It's one that we've not done before. In fact, we're going to do it a little different. Tara Dawn's going to help me, so you at least get a look at her. Be kind to me. We're going to sing this song. I think you'll pick up on the chorus pretty quickly. It's all about the kindness of God. And it's not just an opportunity for us to say, your kindness has led us to repentance. But where is his kindness going to lead us next? To whose house are we going to take his kindness? To whose life are we going to take his kindness? Let's stand together.